This is Cast Club Radio. Brought to you by Heritage Distilling. On Cast Club Radio, we believe every spirit has a story. And stories like good drinks are always better when shared with friends. Each week, we'll explore the intersection of cocktails, spirits, beer, wine, and life. It's Cast Club Radio. Here's your hosts, Lydia Cruz and Justin Stiefel. Good afternoon. Welcome to another episode of Cast Club Radio. Thanks so much for hanging out with us today. My name is Lydia Cruz. I'm Maura Dooley. We're down one member of Cast Club today. Justin is out on the road, the intrepid worker that he is, uh, getting lots of things, lots of fun things going for Heritage Distilling right now. It seems like they have something cool going on every single weekend. In particular, next weekend is Memorial Day, and I know they're going to have a ton of... Not already? Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. And I think we've been spoiled with some great weather here in Seattle, hit with a little rain lately, but still pretty amazing weather that we've had. So I'm not used to seeing nice weather b- before Memorial Day, but it really is. It really is here next weekend. And Heritage is going to help you get ready for your summer, actually, by offering some some cool deals. Right, Maura? Yeah. May 24th through 27th, if you stop by one of the Heritage Distilling Tasting Rooms, they're offering 25% off spirits in store or online. So if you happen to be going to HDC uh, in Eugene, Oregon as well, 25% off merchandise. So go ahead and get stocked up for your Memorial Day barbecues, hopefully. Yeah, they make it's great things too. If you whether you're hosting or you're being a guest, it's just great things to bring along with you. That's a good call. Don't come empty-handed. Yeah, don't be that guy. Never come empty-handed to a party. (laughs) It's just not good. Plus, it's also wedding season coming up. As I'm reminded, several of our coworkers are already heading uh, to wedding season. So if you, I'm going to my sister's next month. Exactly. If you have one coming up, they make a a good addition to the rehearsal dinner or any sort of party you might have beforehand. In the meantime, what is going on in the headlines this week? Well, first up, we have a story with a local tie. This is from the drinks business. Queer Eyes, Jonathan Van Ness, is fronting a beer released for Seattle Pride. It's through Elysian Brewing. The ale uses mandarina hops to produce a fruit-forward character with 4.4% alcohol by volume. It'll be available in June 2019. And it's an ale, and it's called Glitter is Pride. Uh, Jonathan Van Ness is on the popular new uh, Netflix remake of the old Queer Eye for the Straight Guy. He's the show's hairdresser, and uh, he's listed as beauty mentor extraordinaire in the article. Nice. And uh, it's really cool. He's going to be officiating a wedding at Elysian's Capitol Hill location on June 4th. Uh, To enter, couples over 25 have to post a video to Instagram describing their love story and why they want to be married by him. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, local Local tie-in. I know it's really popular on Netflix. I haven't been able to watch it yet. Unfortunately, most of... Uh, our lives revolve around sports on the other side of the of the equation here. So I watch a lot of sports, but there are a couple of people in our office who absolutely love it. And this is just a cool local tie in. I always have a great time at Pride Festival. Yeah, I watched the old version. I haven't got to check out the new one. But uh, Taylor Jacobs, who you work with on your Saturday show here, he is obsessed. And he also <laughs> said, you know, brings a tear to your eye every now and then. Yeah, which, of course. Um, so I'll probably have to binge that at some point soon. Absolutely. What else is going on? All right, this is uh, good news. I like hearing this uh, from Maxim Magazine. Wine kills germs that cause sore throats and dental plaque, says awesome study. Oh, wow. So it's helping with great oral hygiene. Okay, all right. (laughs) 
in the study published in the Journal of Agricultural and Food Chemistry, researchers discovered that the acidity and alcohol concentration in wine isn't what's responsible for the antibacterial properties as previously believed. Instead, it's due to a number of organic compounds found in both red and white wines. Okay. Yeah, I would think that makes sense. And granted, it's always important to to read these in their full context and take every survey with a grain of salt because we do often hear about health benefits or medicinal benefits for a lot of uh, spirits and or wine or beer. So probably people should read and judge for themselves. Yeah, I have a feeling your dentist might argue this. I think there are <laughs> yeah. there are other aspects of it that they don't think are good for your enamel. I've definitely heard that red wine isn't the greatest for your teeth, mm-hmm. but hey, you know, I like looking at the positive side exactly. of things. Glass half full kind of girl. Half glass full of wine. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> Last year, we have a a pretty cool invention. This is from Forbes. Brandon Schwartz and Lawrence Cisneros uh, believe they've solved a problem that's vexed the spirits industry for years, trying to create a cocktail with fresh ingredients in ready-to-drink form. Um, We've kind of talked about this before with maybe using some dehydrated fruits or, Mm -hmm. or different things to try to overcome the problem of maybe trying to make a fancier cocktail on the go and you, you don't have a refrigeration as an option. Uh, so this is pretty cool. It's a patent-pending bottle that keeps cold, pressurized solids in a compartment separate from the pre-mixed liquid whose unique seals and valves could withstand the pressure of cold pressuriz- pressurization. I can't talk. So it's it's pretty actually complicated to explain, but it sounds like there's going to be a bottom compartment in this bottle. I think you add the spirits and then you can release what's in the bottom of the compartment. So it sounds like you could do something even as complicated as, you know, like an old-fashioned that would have maybe usually some orange or muddled fruit in the bottom Mm -hmm. of it or maybe a mojito or something like that. And that's pretty interesting. Yeah, we'll pretend to understand all the (laughs) scientific (laughs) genius of this, but we have talked so many times on this show over the last year and a half about how ready to drink, RTD, I think, as or you know, the ready to go convenience aspect, people are looking more and more into blowing up. It is blowing up. I feel like every time I go to the store, I'm inundated with even more options for on the go cocktails, uh, wine, and things like that. So, yeah, I would think this would be the next step in that evolution. Yeah, it says it can keep fruit stabilized for up to three months. So, wow. Yeah, we've loved the, you know, canned wines and things like that, but this is taking it a step further and making it actually legit cocktails with multiple ingredients that you would normally only be able to mix at a bar. And again, it all comes down to, I think, you know, you can have cool branding and you can have cool packaging, but it does come down to the taste. So I'll be very interested to see how the quality of this turns out. And we might have to do some, you know, some field research, some work, uh, official research and try one of these. Definitely. And also I'd be interested to see the price point because it sounds like it might be a little bit of a complicated technology. I would think it would be a little bit more expensive. I wonder if it's a type where it's like growlers where you'd return this bottle, too, because it sounds almost like a complex or you could at least. Who knows? This is really it's We're definitely going to have to follow we'll up on this one on or it. maybe we can try to get an interview. Yes. Oh, good idea. Speaking of, we should mention uh, we spoke to David Carson uh, from Seattle World Whiskey Day a couple weeks ago, and that is actually going on today. Yes. So if you are looking for something uh, to fill your Saturday with, it's a pretty cool event and. We're all whiskey lovers here at the show. So, But if you are not, they also have plenty of other beverages. They're going to have food, music. Sounds like a really cool event. And if you have nothing to do today or you want to check that out, it is at 
in downtown Redmond. So make sure you check that out. Coming up on Cast Club Radio, since we are down one member of the show today, we wanted to take some time to revisit one of our favorite interviews over the past year, something we think deserves a little more attention because uh, it was just so great to talk to him. Elliot Clark of Apartment Bartender, how he turned a passion project into a full-time job, and also why he's so passionate about making great craft cocktails at home. It's next on Cast Club Radio. Welcome back to Cast Club Radio. Right now we are joined by Elliot Clark, multi-talented mind behind Apartment Bartender. You like a founder of Apartment? Do you, what do you like to, your official title to be? What's my official title? Yeah. Um, I kind of just say apartment bartender. I, I I would say if I were to kind of assign a title, maybe creative director. Or, but yeah, it was something I founded uh, a couple years ago. I ended up getting really into making drinks at home. I took a Cocktails 101 class and with a buddy in, in Manhattan um, several years back, I'd say early 2015, and uh, kind of caught the bug and, and was making drinks at home. And kind of wanted to take pictures of them to to keep a log of my recipes. Um, and it's kind of grown and, and transitioned to what it is now. And I'll kind of dive into that a little bit. But as far as what I am, I I, I feel like I'm still very much trying to figure out what I do because it, it seems like it's kind of branching off into a lot of different aspects. I've I've talked about this with Maura off the air before about sometimes it's about finding out what you don't want to do because you like so many different things in, in your career. So sometimes it's more just like narrowing it down like, oh, OK, that doesn't work for me. But the whole yeah, exactly the whole story behind how so you got started. Were, were, did you have a passion in the past for either like creative ventures? Obviously, you took this class and then that sort of uh, got you going down this path. But uh, before that, were you were you always interested in whether it was photography or, or, or artistic pursuits? So always kind of been, I've always loved the aspect of marketing and branding and storytelling and stuff. Ever since I was young, I've kind of grew up writing and grew up. Uh, I grew up playing basketball, you know, and I, I grew up just kind of wanting to express myself in some sort of creative way. I never really envisioned it being in the form of cocktails or, or the spirits industry. But I, I do feel like I've always been inclined to the creative side of things. But as far as like photography, it was something that I picked up alongside of my love with, with uh, cocktails. At the time when I when I did it, I was working in corporate. I was working at a company and then I was working at a, a software company and I was in sales there. So it wasn't necessarily the most creative. It was a lot of what we called smiling and dialing. <laughs> so it was a, a lot of cold calling and, and stuff. And so... It was it was almost like I was at a point in my life where I wanted a creative outlet, and after I took that cocktails class, it was just, I don't know, I just kind of dove into it, and it was one of those things that I feel like the way a chef views food is the way I feel like a home bartender or a bartender views spirit, and so that's what kind of set me down that path uh, with photography. It was just to, again, take photos and keep a log of my recipes. Being an obsessive personality, I have a hard time just doing something and not diving into it full force, so... That's how photography grew as well. I just kind of gotten more and more obsessed with taking better pictures. Yeah, we've talked to a lot of perfectionists on the show in the past, whether it is chefs or whether it is bartenders, because, yeah, it's about honing your craft, and that takes a lot of dedication. When did you know that you could make that full-time switch, whether you know, whether it was from your day job, make the full-time switch to, to doing apartment bartender? 
a great question. Um, I made the. I, I knew I was going to make the leap when. Um, when so at, at my sales job, it was kind of a tumultuous time in the company. There were several layoffs that were going on. Um, people were kind of leaving the company, and at that same point in time, like my my workload or like the amount of brands that were reaching out. Um, in at that point in time, for apartment bartender, it was starting to increase, and so it was this kind of transitionary period where I wanted to kind of search for something different, but also kind of want to see what apartment bartender could be. And so with with my sales job, I was looking for something different. I had a really good month uh, in sales and I knew financially I could kind of sustain myself for several months. And so I kind of wanted to take a little bit of a break and, and give myself 60 to 90 days to see one, what apartment bartender could be and just kind of see what would happen if I dove into it for three months and just see what happened. And then as far as with corporate, I feel like it would have allowed me a little bit of time to see what was going to be next. Because like you said, you know, it's a lot of, a lot of the career hunt is, you know, finding out what you don't like as much as what you do, you know? So I knew I wasn't really wanting to dive into sales uh, much more, but when I did make that decision to leave my job, it was Halloween 2016. And I remember when I walked out the doors of my job and my company, there was this sense of like, holy crap, what did I just do? And also like excitement, knowing that I was now, it was kind of up to me and, and up to me to figure it out as I go, but also up to me to kind of make this something. And that was a, a really liberating feeling. And I I really believe in the power of manifestation. You know, when you kind of say what you want and you give yourself permission to kind of speak it and and give yourself permission to voice it, I really do believe that different opportunities start to pop up and, you know, luck, luck kind of meets people that are putting in the work and putting in the preparation. So I feel like that, that was a big part of, of how things have transitioned to what they are now. And that was a big part of my belief and, and why my friends and family kind of supported me leaving my company, you know, it was a really good sales job to pursue something that wasn't at the time what it is now. So when you first got started, Obviously, you've branched out into a lot of different things now. We'll talk about a little bit here. But when you first started, was it just uh, making and posting very basic cocktail recipes? Yeah. So um, kind of starting out, I was more into the classic cocktails. You know, it was very much a learning process for me and still is. But I was posting nothing but cocktail recipes. I utilized the captions to kind of interject some of my humor and personality. But I didn't show who I was um, until probably like, almost a year into it. And so, yeah, it was just cocktail recipes. And I, I still think that is the bread and butter of what I do. You know, my, my audience is, is very much the home consumer that likes to host and, and make cocktails at home. And so, but it's, it's kind of dove into a little bit more. But yeah, that, hope that answered your question. But yeah, I would say in the beginning, it was just basic cocktail recipes and, and things that were approachable for the, the home bartender to make at home. Looking on your site, I see that you have a lot of fun how-tos, everything from how to set up a tiki bar to how to make clear ice. <laughs> how do you decide? Do you base that on uh, trends that you see, or do people ask you for certain advice? How do you decide what you give out there? Yeah, a little bit of both. Um, I would I definitely say I'm not the end-all, be-all of like the how-to stuff. I Sometimes I post things that I want to know the answer to. So, like for example, the clear ice, you know, if I if I am curious how to make it, I'm sure a lot of other people are, you know. And so I've always kind of taken the approach of educating and 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 wanting to kind of teach. I love I love 
Like it's just like another passion of mine. I love kind of teaching. I love educating and making it simple. So I just kind of look for, you know, what do I think people would want to know and, and what's fun. Um, I think with anything, there are kind of foundational things to know, like the classic cocktail or how to make clear ice at home or what home marketing tools you need, um, how to stock your home bar when starting out. And then I think there are like trendier stuff, you know, I travel a lot. So it's like, you know, what are the top five things in my, that I never travel without or, you know, what are my favorite whiskeys or what do I, what are my favorite cocktail bars? You know, I think people have an interest in the, the how to, but I think they also have gained an interest in, in kind of like the platform itself and, and kind of my life and, and, and what I enjoy and, and things that I've um, kind of learned or you know, I think they want to see a little bit more of the personal side. So I try to keep it with a mix of both. Yeah, it's kind of the, you said storytelling, I remember at the beginning of telling stories, but at the same time, uh, helping people learn too. It's a good combination. We've been chatting here with Elliot Clark of Apartment Bartender, and there's just too much good stuff to fit into one segment. So coming up on Cast Club Radio, we'll chat with Elliot a little bit more about cocktails he's currently working on, plus an innovative new program that he's got going on that can help you earn your booze. It's next on Cast Club Radio. Welcome back to Cast Club Radio. Thanks so much for joining us. Right now, we are chatting with Elliot Clark of Apartment Bartender. So right now, what's one of the cocktails that, that you are either, it could be on your website or it could be just one that you're enjoying at home based on the time of year. What's a, what's a cocktail people should be drinking? Um, I'm a big fan of daiquiris. Um, I know it, it sounds really simple, um, and, and it's, but it's just one that I always make at home, the three-ingredient cocktail. And I like to change it up. Like I'm a big fan of rum agricole. And I'm a big fan of uh, using different rums, different age rums, or for example, like, you know, one of my favorite ones is plantation pineapple, you know, so it just interjects a little bit more flavor. But I think daiquiris is, is uh, daiquiris my, my go-to at the moment, especially with it being summertime. And there are a lot of different really cool things you can do. You know, you could add soda water and turn it into a highball, or you can add Prosecco or, or some champagne and turn it into more of like a bubbly drink. So there's a lot of cool things that you can do with, you know, a daiquiri, which is a really easy recipe. Yeah, I think rum is kind of an overlooked spirit. I think a lot of people think of really fruit punch type drinks when they think of it. But uh, the resurgence of some of these older classic cocktails like a daiquiri, I think, is, is starting to bring that back a little bit. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, rum is, not to nerd out too much, but rum is the, from what I've learned, like the most unregulated spirit in the world. You know, there's there's there are certain laws and rules, but, you know, like with whiskey, for example, like bourbon, you know, there are rules that, there are that are in place that to be able to call it a bourbon, you have to, you know, do a certain number of things. Rum is, is so different based on where it's produced or how it's produced, you know, from, you know, French Caribbean to even in the States to, you know, different islands and stuff like that. So it's a, it's a like you said, it's a really, it's a really interesting spirit. And I think there's a, a lot to it. It's definitely one of my favorites as well. Uh, but that's what I really love about spirits in general is kind of like the backstory and, and what goes into the bottle and what goes into the things that we, we, we drink. So you obviously have a, a pretty big Instagram following. More and I have been like marveling at your pictures. <laughs> What's been the that experience for you in terms of, it seems like cocktails especially are such a visual so much about visual presentation. Like what's, how's the uh, Instagram or social media aspect of it helped? Yeah. I think it's, it's almost become 
in some sort of way, like a digital portfolio. You know, it's kind of showcased my work, showcased a lot of my personality, and and I think I think it's it helps with a lot of different aspects. Like for example, a lot of the brand partnerships that I have, uh, you know, I've I've learned that at the end of the day, brands want to work with people, right? And they want to know who they're working with because. Mm-hmm. On the partnership side of things, you are, in a sense, an ambassador, you know, when you're working with them and you represent them, you know, whether you are making a, a cocktail with their spirit or whether you're, whether I'm on the press trips. You know, at the end of the day, like, I'm, I feel like I'm a representative in some sort. Um, and I think Instagram, my social media following, has kind of allowed brands to see who I am. I think from a photography aspect, it's, it's kind of opened up a lot of opportunities because, like you had mentioned, like my work is out there and, and I, I put as much as I can out there. So I think being able to showcase my ability to create high quality assets for brands or for companies and stuff, it's really helped there. And then I, I think it's, I think with uh, also, and I know this word kind of gets thrown around in the social media world, mm-hmm. but like influence, you know, I think people, uh, I think I formed some sort of credibility in the spirits industry, especially with the home consumer where they trust me, you know, to recommend good products or they trust me to recommend good cocktails or they trust that I'm not going to lead them astray, you know, and I really make sure that everything I'm doing is benefiting my audience in some regard, you know, or adding value. Um, I really see it as, I really see my audience as a big part of, of what I'm doing and kind of without adding value, like I, I truly don't really see the point of it, you know, having a following. I feel like it's not so much about racking up the numbers, but really cherishing the people that choose to follow you and then making sure that you're doing something to better them in some sort of way, whether it be through humor, through education, through a cocktail recipe, through kind of exposing them to the world of spirits. Well, that's pretty cool. Then I was going to say, for doing this only full time, less than two years, right? It's impressive how how much you've branched out or how many things you've added to this. Earn Your Booze is something uh, cool that you're doing. Can you explain that? Yeah, definitely. So Earn Your Booze was something that I started, uh, and I have a business partner named Justin, and we, we, we co-founded it, but we were Justin was more on the beer side. I was on the spirits and cocktail side. Yeah, so Ernie Booze was something I started with Justin. Um, and I was saying that he was, Justin was really big in the beer community and continues to be. Me being more on the spirit side, you know, we kind of recognize that there is an unhealthy side to the industry and there's an unhealthy side to drinking, you know, if, and it will consume you if you let it. And so it was, at first it was kind of a fun concept. We were just, you know, I was saying Ernie Booze every time I go to the gym and I post <laughs> about it. But then people started catching on to it and saying it and then people asked me if I had shirts or if I was going to do anything <laughs> with it um, so me and Justin decided to kind of make shirts and that's in the beginning kind of what it was going to be but it really started to take on of a life of its own and we saw that there is a huge gap in, in the spirits industry and even in the the world of beer or wine or whatnot you know where you know a lot of brands are, are implementing health initiatives to really promote like the aspect of drinking responsibly and which doesn't necessarily just apply to you know, not drinking and driving. It's like, really, if you're going to indulge in the spirit, if you're going to enjoy it, make sure that you're doing what you need to do to take care of your health and your body. So Earn Your Booze is a brand that we we started to kind of bridge the gap between the world of fitness and the world of, of drinking. Um, and so we put on different events. We always partner with different spirits brands or, or different uh, breweries or local, local spots. And then we partner with uh, different fitness partners. And we put on these events where people come and they work out and they drink. And so we've, we've done... 
we've done about 10 or 15 now. We just had our first one on the road. We went to Miami and did one. Um, we have future plans for um, hitting other cities and really growing it and expanding it. Uh, so it's a really fun concept, and I think people it's a simple concept for people to grab hold of. Yeah, it's one that maybe people wouldn't traditionally put together, but I think that's why it makes it so brilliant because people are are looking to to get healthier and and still enjoy life at the same time. So those two go well hand in hand. Yeah, absolutely. I've definitely been a part of some 5K running groups. Yes, where you go to a bar and have a beer after. after. You've got to have some balance if you're if you're going to have that yeah. kind of dedication to your workout. You got to have a reward. You deserve it. Yeah. You got to have balance. Well, awesome, Elliot. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today. Where can people check out more of what all the amazing things you're doing, whether online or Instagram, etc.? Yeah, um, so uh, on Instagram, I'm at Apartment Bartender. Website is apartmentbartender.com. Um, earn Your Booze is earnyourbooze.com. And then also on Instagram, same thing, Earn Your Booze. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm mainly on social media. That's kind of my primary platform. So they can check me out there and kind of see all the all the fresh shenanigans I get myself into. <laughs> Perfect. And if you ever are in Seattle for one of these uh, Earn Your Booze events, you're going to have to let us know so we can take part. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely wouldn't, wouldn't come to Seattle without letting you know. All right. Thank you so much, Elliot. Thank you, guys. That was Elliot Clark of Apartment Bartender, generously taking some time to chat with us and Maura, we've talked about this a little bit. That's not the first blogger, first uh, drink, beverage, uh, mixologist blogger that we've talked to on the show, The Drunken Tomato, in the past we, we've had a chat with. And it's yeah, interesting. Shelly from there. Yes. It's interesting how uh, a passion can turn into a full-time job now. And you heard it from Elliot, too, where it's he just took a 101 mixology class and now has spurned into this whole passion pursuit project online and that, in general... Drinks uh, have become accessible in that way. Yeah, and it's interesting to see how social media plays into that. Yes. Like people can really build a brand. They, I mean, they all, we talked to Elliot about branching out into photography because all of these Instagram pages are wor- like works of art. <laughs> yes. I mean, and, and luckily for him, photography is also a passion of his because, it, like you said, it's just from an aesthetics point of view. You, me, and Justin have discussed how that experience changes, whether whether you're it's a, a label or a bottle or of a branding of a product, or whether it's an experience when you go to a bar and how they uh, keep their music, their lighting, their temperature. But it's also true, like at these at these blogs and these websites, is how they curate their image and their brand uh, is really neat and interesting. Yeah, and I think there's something to be said for. I feel like in the past, the cocktail world and and looking at some of these more exotic looking ones that you see on his Instagram, that would intimidate people. But knowing that he was just like us, just had an interest in cocktails and took a 101 class makes it more approachable for people that are maybe looking to experiment a little. Yes, because I'll I will readily admit that I'm one of those people where I don't branch out enough. I'm like a little scared to get creative, especially because sometimes in drink making, either the ingredients can can add up and be expensive, whether it's you have to go get a very specific type of liqueur or uh, like garnishes even sometimes are intimidating. But you're right. He he breaks down the process and makes it seem very, whether it's simple ingredients or uh, actual making it or putting it together, that it's accessible, which I really appreciate. Me too. Yeah. 
Well, if you haven't already, uh, you can fall in love with Elliot's work at apartmentbartender.com, also on Instagram, which you should follow, and also Earn Your Booze is taking off. So make sure you check that out. Coming up on Cast Club Radio, as we mentioned, we're kind of looking back on some of our favorite interviews and segments from the show today since we are without Justin Stiefel this week. We're going to look back on one where we went over the most iconic drinks from every state. But we do have a brand new cocktail recipe for you that's coming up next on Cast Club Radio. Welcome back to Cats Club Radio. I'm Maura Dooley here with Lydia Cruz. And as Lydia mentioned earlier, we are without Justin Stiefel this week. He is doing a lot of work for Heritage Distilling, but he'll be back next week. So we're taking a look back at some of our favorite memories. We just re-listened to our interview with Elliot Clark from Apartment Bartender. And now here's one of my favorites where we looked at the most iconic drinks from every state. Thanks so much for joining us. In just a few minutes, we've got a cocktail recipe for you if you're looking for something to make this weekend. In the meantime, though, we have to chat about uh, this BuzzFeed community poll. It's from earlier this year in March. Vine Pair mapped what readers voted on as the most iconic beer, wine, or cocktail spirit in every single state. So across the United States, what is the most iconic drink, alcoholic drink, beverage uh, in that local state as voted on by the people? Uh, What do you think Washington State was first? We got to start local. You know, the most iconic local brand here would be Rainier Beer. And uh, in fact, that is what uh, popped up among readers. Um, Ironically, no longer made here, but uh, still viewed as the iconic drink of Washington. That R will forever live, you know, just uh, and... There's even a, a baseball team, a minor league baseball team named after him. So, yes, ab- right. absolutely. Uh, now, I'm, I'm looking at the map, and we will put a link on the map on the Castle of Radio a link on social media. But looking at each state and uh, the drink of choice as voted on by BuzzFeed voters, some of these are really Fascinating. The yes. one that sticks out to me the most is Arkansas. Voters voted the iconic drink for Arkansas is something called a whiskey sprite. <laughs> what the heck is that? <laughs> I'm guessing it's exactly it's, uh, what it sounds like. It's like a seven seven. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Similar. Yeah. <laughs> Not like a whiskey coke, but a whiskey sprite, right? Whiskey yeah. sprite. Um, West Virginia and North Carolina both voted for moonshine. Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. Mississippi was a Mississippi punch. I'm gonna funny. Oh, good. oh, I I will be the first to raise my hand and actually admit that I don't even know some of the drinks on here, which makes me feel a little bit out of it. But uh, Maryland, for instance, I'm not familiar with the Orange Crush. The Alabama's is the Yellow Hammer. Anybody had any of the, either of those? I believe that it's a version of an Alabama Slammer, oh, okay. which I had made when I was bartending. Yeah. But I had not heard it called a Yellow Hammer. A yellow Hammer. All right. Another one I noticed that I hadn't heard in a while, but I had made before when I was bartending, Oklahoma's The Lunchbox. Yes. And from what okay. I recall, that is a vodka shot dropped into beer and orange juice mix. Yes. It's uh, it's huge there. One of my best friends lives in Oklahoma City. And not only uh, is that a huge drink there, they have a bar there called Lunchbox. Oh, wow. Where you can order the Lunchbox at Lunchbox. So, uh <laughs> Yeah, huge in Oklahoma, which I hadn't heard of either. Minnesota, they have something called a beer teeny. <laughs> um, Weird. Vermont and Oregon, both uh, lacking any kind of creativity, just said craft beer. 
is their drink of choice. It's better than Bud uh, Light for New Hampshire. That's not very creative either. Yeah, come on. Like, at I least ours shocked. is a local brand. Yeah. <laughs> Bud Light, I know. Uh, Maine, their favorite drink of choice is something called coffee brandy, which I have to go look up and see if I can get a hold of that and try it. That, that sounds seems, fascinating. That seems like a good cold weather, yeah. like something you could make work, and they've got a lot of cold weather up there up there in Maine. Oh, guys, yep. guys, guys. New Jersey is the Jaeger bomb. Still, that's oh, yeah. perfect. I think they might win. That is just the most. <laughs> that uh, makes sense. Yeah, that works. Yeah. And also, Kansas, uh, Kansas is Fireball. It's just Fireball. Kansas is Fireball. Yep. Yep. Uh, Kentucky was Bourbon. Tennessee was Jack and Coke. No surprise there. Nebraska likes their red beer. So does South Dakota. And then uh, surprising, kind of back of the pack, Iowa and North Dakota both voted for Bush Light. That's an interesting one. I like that. Of course. Utah, only one on here that has a non-alcoholic beverage, yeah. root beer. <laughs> that seems appropriate. And, and right, Nevada. Ne- right next door in Nevada, yeah. Just quote, anything fruity. Is anything that because, fruity. yeah, is that because of Las Vegas and you're just drinking a lot of different, I don't know. I just didn't know what to I was to wondering about, about that, that too. Another surprise to me, I would have thought Wisconsin as a beer state, but it's old fashioned. Yep, old fashioned. Fashion, and really? the best, the best name of all in Alaska the duck fart. <laughs> now remind me, uh, an Alaskan duck fart. So it has coffee liqueur, Irish cream, and Canadian whiskey. Has in, has anybody uh, been a fan of this drink before? I so it sounds too rich for my had taste. Had it in college, yeah, and a little too creamy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I can tell you, I lived in Alaska for a long time, and I would go to the bars on a regular occasion, and I don't remember a single person ordering a duck fart. So I wonder if this is a, a recent phenomenon uh, <laughs> culturally where they were just, you know, advertising it around the time that the mm. poll came out. Yeah, there's a little quick story behind it. The Alaskan duck fart was invented in Alaska, of course. It's said to have been invented at the peanut farm bar and grill in alaska by dave schmidt we want to give credit to dave in 1987 so specific uh a woman walked into a bar that's not a joke that's actually part of the story ordered a shot of tequila then a b-52 then they started experimenting and thus the uh duck fart was born a riff off of the b-52 which brings uh, grand marnier the alaskan duck fart sticks with canadian whiskey and uh exactly what we mentioned before irish cream coffee liqueur sounds pretty rich <laughs> Yeah. Well, every week on Cast Club Radio, we have a brand new cocktail recipe for you that we want you to try at home. If you are just a fan of doing these, I think they're a great way to experiment, get out of your comfort zone a little bit. So this will be available at HeritageDistilling.com. But what's on the menu for this week, Maura? All right. This is in honor of World Whiskey Day, which is going on today. It's a bavanda, which is uh, an Italian word that Heritage likes to use for some of their their cocktails that you can get at the tasting room. So this is a bavanda being offered at the HDC tasting rooms all throughout the month of May. It's called a plum rye. So in a shaker, you use two ounces of the Heritage Elk Rider rye, two dashes of Peychaud's bitters, a half an ounce of, you're going to like the name of this. This is interesting. Girl Meets Dirt Island Plum Shrub. Yeah, I uh, like all of that. Uh, a half ounce of lemon juice, uh, and then you add ice and shake, and you strain it into a tumbler of fresh ice garnished with a lemon twist. Wow. Yeah, it sounds pretty. It sounds aesthetically pleasing and also kind of tasty. Are you a fan of Bavandas? 
Uh, yes, of course. Especially each, now that Heritage has so many tasting rooms near us, because it used to be like, oh, you guys are kind of far from us, and now there's so many options. Yes, let's be honest. If you live in the Seattle or Pacific Northwest area, you know that sometimes traffic is a problem. You've you've lived here, you know it, and getting down to Gig Harbor or some from Seattle would be difficult, but now you have the Capitol Hill location, you have the Ballard location. There's really no excuse not to get in there and try some of some of their great stuff. And they've always got something seasonal. So this is this seems like a nice light one as we're getting into this warmer weather. I like it. Yes, warmer weather. Here it comes. I love yes, that. Please. <laughs> well, this uh, recipe will be available online at heritagedistilling.com, as we mentioned, where you can also check out past episodes of the podcast. Some of the headlines that we have or we've talked about in the, in the past shows are up there online as well. And we always love hearing from you. So please reach out if you are making these cocktails. If you are going to these events, just let us know. Send us your pictures. Yes, you can find us at Cast Club Radio on Facebook and Instagram. And don't forget to rate us on iTunes. We'll see you here next week. Thanks for listening to Cask Club Radio, brought to you by Heritage Distilling. Check us out on MyNorthwest.com to learn more and catch up on past episodes. Cask Club Radio, brought to you by Heritage Distilling. 